This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This podcast. All right. This week I'm rejoined by Giles Miller, and today we are going to do an Easter special. Giles is going to go through some uh, looking at the Easter story and how all of that really kind of plays out. And I'm going to let him take it from here and explain it because he's going to do an infinitely better job of that than I ever would. So, Giles, take it away. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for having me back, and I'm excited to do this. Um, yeah, going through it. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting because I feel that this is one of the uh, it's like a really good like beginner's sort of stepping stone into like how to study and I know that whenever I've talked to people that's one of the biggest hurdles um, probably one of the reasons that you know where they just they sort of go to church and they you know go through the motions but they don't feel like they're getting a whole lot and it's probably because they just don't understand the method. And I think that it's specifically because people overcomplicate it. Um, sort of like uh, the Rubik's cube. You know, one of the reasons that the world record is like, you know, four seconds is because it's so easy, but people, you know, they, they overcomplicate it and they let it overwhelm them. So, uh, so yeah, this is a pretty simple story. Um, it's basically just, us trying to get closer to truth and some of these subjects that i've gone with through with people it seems like you know they feel like well why does it matter if it's this or this and my answer to that is sort of always like this time it's something sort of you know innocuous it's something sort of easy but it's not like that every time sometimes it's of you know more important matters where the specifics change the the course of you know what what we're trying to get out of it so just sort of you know you play the way you practice right so if you are paying attention to these easier subjects then when you get to the harder stuff it's it's so much easier because you're just used to it you're used to what you're supposed to do and you don't forget like the fundamentals of studying and that's Sorry. one of the one of the leading uh, downsides for a lot of people, or something that discourages people f- from looking into stuff, is they either don't know what to study or they don't know how to study. Like those are those are always mm-hmm. two of the top excuses that are given for why people don't get more into the biblical stories and and stuff like that. So so I think this has a lot of value as far as that goes. Well, I'm 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 really glad that you think that. Um, I, uh, fortunately I never, I never went through a shift in my understanding of this story because my dad just from, from the beginning told me, you know, what the Bible says, (laughs) not, not his interpretation of it. Just like, what does it, what does it say? Um, and, uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's sort of crazy to me how you see people that are so dedicated to this whole Bible thing. And I get it because I am too, right? Um, but the, you know, but but it's almost like it's almost like people don't, you know, they don't care about the details. And it's like, well, you you know, the the details are the only reason that this this building stands, you know, the foundation, so, so to speak. Um, 
So yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm just going through what day did Jesus, uh, you know, what day was he murdered and buried, and then what day was he resurrected? Since we're celebrating it on Sunday, um, not I don't know if it's I don't think it's this Sunday, but you know, on a Sunday, you know, we're sort of just diving into was that was that the day? What does it say? Um, and I think that as we go through this, people are going to be pretty surprised. Um, I know that a couple people I shared this with, they went and they had to go get their own Bible to like <laughs> see if mine said something just different than theirs did, because they're like, no way is that missed, um, you know, by like Orthodox, but it is, and it's weird, but you know, I I think the reason personally is just because that there's forces acting sort of against our pursuit of truth and that's why you know that's why it is so i have a book um by victor paul werewolf that started this organization this bible study organization called the way the way international something like that um like a long time ago like 50 years ago or something and that organization uh devolved and was like called a cult and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'm, I'm not a part of that. And I don't necessarily, you know, whatever they're into, cool. But I'm just letting you know if anybody looks this dude up. Um, did you know, before you get started, did you know that uh, the Hulu series, The Path, which is uh, a, basically about a cult, it was loosely based on the way and it's... Uh, like what it devolved into towards like uh <laughs> yeah so when you said that i was like oh yeah and i know and i know <laughs> okay and uh but the 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 writing is sound the book is sound and and you know and just to make people feel a little bit better and i don't know if, if you've heard this but it's pretty common but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right, and so, yeah, the way is the disgusting, muddy bathwater, but we still have most valuable part in that, you know. So we can get rid of the nasty water, but let's keep the good stuff. Um, yeah. So, I, and 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 I, that should make sense to people, um, you know, that just because a person is a jerk doesn't necessarily mean that their ideas are wrong. That that person could just be a jerk. You know what I mean? Or like if somebody's like a fan of the Seahawks, but they're a jerk. It doesn't make the Seahawks bad. You know, I'm not I'm not much of a fan, but you, you know Packers what I mean. As a Packers fan, I, I might disagree, but yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Washington, so what, what can I say? Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not super big into football, so I, I don't care what the Seahawks do. <laughs> but I was just saying, like you know, somebody being a jerk doesn't doesn't change the Packers' value, right? Or I'm I'm actually a Red Sox fan, so you know obviously that's that's they're they're almost all jerks like this yeah yeah right right right. um anyway so i'm just gonna um sort of jump in and um this is a pretty this is pretty in depth uh into this topic it's in the introduction of this book called jesus christ our passover and so it just sort of goes through the like the first the, the the seven days leading up to jesus's crucifixion and then like the like five days after or something like that um 
and uh and yeah this is in the introduction and it sort of sets the stage for this kind of study so i'm just going to straight up read um read through um feel free to stop me uh if you like have a question or if you want me to clarify something or if i read it wrong or whatever just let me okay. know <clears throat> okay i'm starting uh in the introduction kind of in the middle of us an, another subject but i'm just skipping like the first 10 pages that aren't relevant to this study so if it seems sort of abrupt that's kind of why okay so it says in dealing with the subject of the time of the passover there are some other points which need to be understood for example, the beginning of the day, according to biblical reckoning, was different from ours. In modern times, midnight marks the end of one day and the beginning of the next. However, in biblical times, sunset, not midnight, was the start of a new day. To illustrate, the fifth, the fifth of Nisan, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, you know, but whatever. <clears throat> uh, the fifth of Nisan ended at sunset, and at the same time, the sixth began. It would remain the sixth until the following sunset. Although the time of sunset would vary according to the time of year, for convenience in teaching and understanding, we will mark uh, sunset at 6 p.m. This is also uh, in the spring in the Middle East. So that's about the time that it would be, you know, during that time. <clears throat> because Passover is in the spring. Okay. With this understanding, we look at Exodus 12, 6, and scrutinize the phrase in the evening, which is the time of day the Passover lamb was slain. In Hebrew, the phrase in the evening is ben ha'ar bayim. And again, I'm probably mispronouncing that. <clears throat> uh, meaning literally between the evenings. This is an expression which, according to, to evidence from the Talmud, refers to the period between 2.30 and 3.30 in the afternoon. According to the historian Josephus, the practice in the first century AD was to begin slaughtering the Passover lambs at the ninth hour, hour 3 p.m. This, uh, uh, this is corroborated by Deuteronomy 16.6, where the Passover sacrifice is taken to the place at even, at the going down of the sun, this does not refer to sunset, but it means during the afternoon when the sun is visibly declining in the western sky. The timing of the Passover sacrifice becomes very significant when we studied the time of Jesus Christ's death. The lamb had to be slain on the 14th of Nisan, which is a Hebrew month for anybody that's not familiar, just like January, March, April, Nisan or Nisan, something like that, or Nisan, whatever. <clears throat> Is one of the is is the Hebrew month that we're talking about, um, and and the and Passover is, and I'm sure they'll say this, but Passover is always on the 14th, kind of like Christmas is always on the 25th of December. <clears throat> um, but, but the lamb had to be slain on the 14th of Nisan before sunset because sunset began the 15th, a new day. Leviticus 23, Numbers 9, Joshua 5, 2 Chronicles 35, and Ezra 6 further corroborate this. So in Leviticus 23, 5, it says, In the 14th day on the first month at even, which is, again, between the evenings, is the Lord's Passover. Numbers 9, 3, and 5 says, In the 14th day of this month at even, which is between the evenings again, ye shall keep it. And then in 5 it says, <clears throat> And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at even, which is, again, between the evenings. Joshua 5.10, it 
and the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day, 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Second Chronicles 35, 1, they killed the um they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. Ezra 6, 19, and the children of the capi- and the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. God's word repeatedly establishes that the Passover lamb was killed during the afternoon on the 14th of Nisan. After this killing, the lamb would need to be prepared for eating. And um, we're going to Exodus 12, 8. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. The Passover lamb was to be eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. It was to be eaten in the night, in that night, forgive me, after sunset and before midnight. Thus, the Passover meal would actually be eaten on the 15th of Nisan. The Passover meal eaten in the night was the first meal of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. To this extent, Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread overlap because this meal is eaten at the beginning of the seventh of the seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread. These two celebrations are closely, closely related. Since the Passover meal was part of the Feast of of unleavened bread, the preparations for the Passover would obviously be part of the preparations for the entire feast. The temple and private homes were to be cleansed of all leaven and other contaminations that would defile Israel for the feast. Also, all priests and, and Levites went through a personal legal cleansing, as did all other participants. The, the Feast of Unleavened Bread began on the 15th and continued through sunset, um, through sunset closing the 21st of Nisan, a seven-day feast. No leavened bread was to be eaten during this time. The first day and the last day of the feast were to be days of holy convocation, Sabbaths, in which no servile work was done. <clears throat> so now we're hitting Exodus 12, 15 through 20. And it says, seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day into the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Yikes. <clears throat> and the first day there shall be an holy convocation, and the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation to you. No matter of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only, that only may be done of you. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger, which is like a foreigner or proselyte, um, or or born born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations, shall ye eat unleavened bread. And then we're in Leviticus 23, 6 through 8. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days must you eat unleavened bread. And the first day you shall have an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And in the seventh day is an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. The Feast of Unleavened Bread began at the sunset or even. 
which ended the 14th and began the 15th of Nisan. The feast continued until the sunset, which closed the 21st, except for the Passover meal. No specific times of the day were given for mealtimes. However, during the seven days of the feast, all bread consumed was to be unleavened. Now in understanding biblical timekeeping, we need to study the watches. The period of the period uh, the the period between sunset and sunrise was divided into watches rather than hours. Timekeeping by means of sundials was impossible after sunset. So in the Old Testament times, there were three watches during the course of a night, each lasting about four hours, thus marking time through the nights in a general way. The first watch, the evening watch, lasted from sunset to 10 p.m. The second watch, the middle watch, went from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. The third watch, the morning watch, was from 2 a.m. to sunrise. By New Testament times, Roman timekeeping had increased the number of watches from three to four. The first, the evening watch, was from sunset to 9 p.m. The second, the midnight watch, was from 9 p.m. to uh, 12 midnight. The third, called the cock-crowing watch, went from midnight to 3 a.m. The fourth, the morning watch, went from 3 a.m. to sunrise. These are all referred to in Mark 13.35. The daylight period, from sunrise to sunset, was divided into 12 equal segments of time called hours. Since this daylight period varied in length, depending upon the time of the year, the hours would also vary in length. An hour would vary from 49 minutes on the shortest day in winter to 71 minutes on the longest day in summer. During the Passover season, in the spring of the year, an hour was close to a 60-minute hour. For the sake of clarity, as we study Nissan, we will place sunrise at 6 a.m., the third hour at 9 a.m., the sixth hour at noon, and the ninth hour at 3 p.m., and sunset at 6 p.m. In the biblical culture, the days of the week were not referred to by name, but by number. What we call Sunday was called the first day of the week, Monday was the second, Tuesday the third, and so on. Our Saturday was called the seventh day, or, or the weekly Sabbath. All of these points are really very simple, yet lack of understanding in these basics has caused tremendous confusion in comprehending the events leading up to and including Jesus's crucifixion. Throughout the course of the study, we will be using biblical time reckoning unless otherwise indicated in referring to a date. I will be treating it as beginning at sunset rather than midnight when I make a reference to the preparation, the Passover, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it will be in the terms of what I have just covered in those events. When I refer to hours or watches, it will be in the terms of the biblical usage as shown above. All of these things are fundamental in understanding the last week before crucifixion. And then it's going to get into the, uh, the, the next part. But having an understanding of time, how time works, um, which is, it's funny because it, it, sounds, it almost sounds silly because it's so simple. It's almost exactly how we do time now. Um, but for some reason, when people look at the Bible, it's like they're, it's like they forget that these are like, this is real stuff. Almost like, you know, if you ever go to a casino and you're using chips, it doesn't feel like real money, even though it is, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, these principles need to be really firmly set so that there's, you know, sort of no, um, confusion or a ambiguity. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that makes sense. Like you need to, uh, yeah, there's trying to think of the best way to work. It, it, I don't think there's enough time spent on, uh, bringing the, the reality of the Bible into 
actual reality. Like a mm-hmm. lot of time, there's sort of a, a mysticism about it, and which yeah. is also something that is uh, like is a common hangup for people who who have trouble getting into the Bible is like yeah. the kind of the mystical side of things uh, as it's often perceived. And, and mm-hmm. so bring, being able to to break it down and like bring it back into reality and and lay that foundation. I think that's a that's a very good start. Very cool. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Are we yeah. all very cool? All right. Having this background, we can now look specifically at Jesus Christ's final week of natural life. Once the exact day on which Jesus Christ died is pinpointed, all other times can easily be calculated because we have a point of reference from which to count forward and backward in time. So our study must answer the question, on what day did Jesus Christ die? Matthew 12 contains basic information, which begins to answer this question. Um, And specifically, it's Matthew 1240. And it says, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Tradition has taught us that Jesus Christ died at 3 p.m. on Good Friday and that he arose early Easter Sunday morning. Yet the preceding scripture says that the Son of Man would be in the heart of the earth, that is, buried for three days and three nights. People have tried to reconcile this verse with um with uh, tradition by saying that any portion of the day can be called a day. That is true when the word day is used by itself. However, when the Bible use the, uses the words day and night, um, w- w- in the Bible, the words day and night are used together. A literal period of 24 hours is denoted. Matthew 1240 um, does not just say three days. It says three days and three nights. Therefore, even if one were to press the traditional position of an internment lasting from Friday afternoon until Sunday morning. We, we can count three days with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but only two nights with Friday night and Saturday night. One night is still missing. The evidence is quite clear that something is wrong with this traditional teaching. So let's put traditional teaching from our mind and look at the accuracy of God's word when studying time. While looking for the specific day that Jesus died and was buried, we can first note the time he died. <clears throat> and so we're in Matthew 27, 46 and 50. And about the ninth hour, about our 3 p.m., Jesus cried with a loud voice, dot, dot, dot. And then in 50, it says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And that's where he died. So Jesus died around three o'clock in the afternoon. However, as carefully indicated by Matthew 1240, not counting uh, the counting of the three days and three nights was not to be marked from the time of death, but from the time of burial. Understanding that he died around three in the afternoon, we must still determine the, the day and the date on which he died. So we look at John 19, verse 31. And it says, The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies of the crucified men should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. The failure to rightly divide this verse has caused tremendous confusion concerning the, um, the day of the week of the crucifixion. People have taught that Jesus died on the day before the weekly Sabbath, since the weekly Judean Sabbath was Saturday. Um, they have said that he died on Friday. However, John 19.13 does not say that Jesus died um, on the on the day before the weekly Sabbath. It clearly and explicitly states that he died shortly before this, um, the Sabbath day and that that Sabbath day was in high day. 
A high day is a special Sabbath, a Sabbath that can occur on any day of the week, not just Saturday. It is a special day of the um, it is a special day of the rest that may come in the middle of the week, as Christmas often does, depending on the calendar year. So it's because it's always on the 14th of Nisan, and the 14th can be any day. It doesn't have to be Saturday. Um, so he says, uh, we read previously from Leviticus that the 15th of Nisan was a day of holy convocation in which no servile work was to be done. The 15th of Nisan was considered a high day, a high um, Sabbath day, a special day of rest because it was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In that night, which began the 15th of Nisan, the children of Israel celebrated with the Passover meal. The final day of preparation for the Passover was the 14th of Nisan, since this was also the day before the special Sabbath. This was the day on which Jesus Christ died. That is what John 19.31 clearly teaches when it is read with biblical understanding. By the time the events recorded in John 19.31 occurred, Jesus was already dead on the cross. He had died around 3 p.m. The Judeans did not want the bodies to hang on the cross after sundown, which was um, when the new day began. For that new day would be a special Sabbath, and the Judeans wanted the corpses to be removed and buried before the special Sabbath began. So Luke 23, 52 through 54, this man, talking about Joseph, went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in the sepulcher that was um, hewn or something like that in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath, the special Sabbath of the 15th of Nisan, drew on. This record in Luke establishes the fact that Jesus Christ was laid in a sepulcher. He was buried sometime between 3 p.m. and sunset on the 14th of Nisan. Once we recognize that he, that he died and was buried before a special Sabbath, a high day, rather than the weekly Sabbath, the entire record clarifies itself. So we go to John 19, 41 and 42. And it says, Now in the place where he was cru crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, and because of the Jews' preparation um, from the sepulcher was nigh at hand. And then we look at Mark 15, 42. And now when the even was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day, and the day is omitted in the Greek text, um, but you can say that is before the Sabbath. And again, that's that's uh, the special Sabbath, the high, the high day. God's word is so clear about the timing of Jesus' burial that it's surprising so many of us have missed it for so long. All four Gospels readily concur that Jesus died by 3 p.m., or about the ninth hour, and was buried before sunset on the 14th of Nisan. Now let us see what the Gospel accounts say regarding the time of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Once we have determined the day of the week that his resurrection took place, we may count backwards three days and three nights to pinpoint the day of the week of his death and burial. Pretty, pretty simple so far. Pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think it's. I think you made a a very important clarification um, that that often gets definitely overlooked in that it was happening on the fifteenth of Nisan. That it was mm -hmm. a it was a a Sabbath. It was not the Sabbath. Like that's right. that's the 
that, that's wasn't a dis- the weekly Sabbath. Right. Yeah. It wasn't the, the regular weekly Sabbath. It was a special Sabbath. It was happening on a particular holiday, uh, not on a particular day of the week. Uh, like that's a, that's a very important distinction that, that gets left out uh, and overlooked because it's, it's always assumed that it was on Saturday, that it was on the right. Sabbath of the mm-hmm. week. Uh, right. And that, like, that, very, that very clearly disproves that, that idea. Right, right, and 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 just a little fun fun trivia fact. Um, it's even it's even kind of an old an old thing that that, that it was on a specific date um, because the Friday the thirteenth that is in reference to it being Good Friday the thirteenth of Nissan before they would before Saturday what they suspected was the Sabbath day the 14th of Nissan. So that the whole superstition about Friday the thirteenth being bad is in reference to the day Jesus was murdered. So I don't, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but nice. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so continuing, <clears throat> this is uh, Luke twenty-four, and it's one through six. And this is again just going through what it, what does it say about the resurrection? Now, upon the first day of the week, our Sunday, very early in the morning, they, which is the women, came into the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared and, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they entered in and found not the body of Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stooding, or stood by them in shining garments. Uh, and as they were afraid, they bound their... They bowed down their faces to the earth and said unto them, Why see ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. The first day of the week was Sunday. Upon arriving early that morning, the woman discovered that Jesus' body was gone. Jesus Christ had already been resurrected. It has been inferred from this that he had just, just risen before the women arrived that Sunday morning. God's word does not say that. Look at the re- records in Mark and in John. This is Mark 16, two, uh, verse 2 and verse 6. And very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And in verse 6 it says, And he saith unto them, Be not affrightened, ye seek Jesus of, Nazare- of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where he... Behold the place where they laid him. And then in John 20, verse 1, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. None of the gospel records say that Jesus arose from the dead on Sunday morning, the first day of the week. What the records do establish is that Jesus Christ was resurrected by the time these people arrived at the tomb early Sunday morning. Now we can calculate from these truths that we've learned, according to Matthew 1240, Jesus was to be buried for three days and three nights, a full 72 hours. It is interesting to note that, according to the Judean law, identification of a corpse was to be given within three days after death, before the body had decomposed beyond recognition. Since Jesus Christ was buried on the 14th of Nisan after 3 p.m., and before sunset, he had to be buried for three days and three nights, then he must have risen on the 17th of Nisan after 3 p.m., but before sunset. When the women arrived at the tomb early Sunday morning, the tomb was already empty. So putting all these facts together, Jesus Christ must have been raised the day before Sunday, late on Saturday afternoon after 3 p.m., but before sunset. 
By these simple calculations, the timing of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes perfectly clear. clear. Counting back three days and three nights from Saturday afternoon, we come to Wednesday afternoon. Jesus Christ died at 3 p.m. on Wednesday, about the ninth hour, the 14th of Nisan, and was buried before sunset. And this was the last day of the preparation of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was also the day and time the Passover lamb was to be slain. To review this important information, Jesus Christ was buried on Wednesday afternoon after 3 p.m. and before sunset. Three days and three nights later, after 3 p.m. but before sunset on Saturday, the 17th of Nisan, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. On early Sunday morning, Jesus' disciples visiting the tomb found that he had already risen. The accuracy of God's word is breathtaking. And I agree. <clears throat> Some may wonder how Jesus Christ could have been in the grave three days and three nights and still be raised on the third day. The answer is now very simple. Since Jesus died very late on Wednesday, the first day would be counted as Thursday. Friday was then the second day, and Saturday was the third. Since he was raised late on Saturday, he was raised on the third day. After he had been in the grave three days and three nights, 72 hours. Um, and then he might clarify this, but I'm just going to go ahead. Um, that Wednesday to Thursday after sunset would have been the first night. The contrast is bad. The first night, use my black shirt, right? And then uh, the Thursday day is, you know, so now we have one, one. And then we have Friday night, Friday day, Saturday night, Saturday day. And that's where he's resurrected. So he's resurrected on the third day. Does that, make, does that make sense? <clears throat> and they might clarify that, but um, I thought that that last little paragraph was a little confusing, so that's why I wanted to clarify. So Luke 24, 21, but we, the two men walking to um, Emmaus, trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today, Sunday, is the third day since these things were done. People have said that this verse contains a discrepancy because it says that Sunday was the third day since the crucifixion. This is a misunderstanding. The word since literally means away from. Jesus died late on Wednesday. The third day away from Wednesday would have been the fourth day. It means three full days had passed. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday had passed, making Sunday the fourth day. The Greek literally reads, but surely also together, which all these things it brings a third day away from which these things occurred. This is how accurate God's word is. Three other translations of the same verse, Luke 24, 21, should be noted by students of God's word. Um, and it's, uh, da, da, da. I think it's referring to 24, 19, 20, and 21. So it says, but he is dead, and that is three days ago. And then in 20, it says, moreover, three days have already passed since all those events occurred. And in 21, it says, and lo, three days have passed since all these things have occurred. In context, the men had not believed the report that Jesus had been raised on the third day as promised from Luke 24, 6 through 11, 22, and 23. In their minds, Jesus was legally and totally dead. It was an irreversible fact. Three days had come and gone, and their supposed Messiah was still reckoned dead. In disappointment, they were going home. That is the great importance of the observation of the two men on the way to Emmaus. There are, there are some other interesting observations that can be made about the number three, since Jesus Christ was buried three days and three nights. Three denotes completeness in the biblical usage. It is 
it is used of a time of darkness, judgment, and separation when all seems hopeless. The end of the three-day period may be marked by life, release, and restoration. Jesus was not in a temporary coma or similar state. His death was complete, thus in being raised on the third day. After three days and three nights in the grave, Jesus Christ was raised from the complete death to the complete life, fulfilling every legality. In Old Testament law, as stated in Numbers 19:11 and 12, a man who became defiled, a man who became defiled by touching a dead body, was required to purify himself on the third day of his cleansing period. Also in Leviticus 7:17 7, and 18, the flesh of the peace offering, when offered as a vow or a voluntary offering, was not to be kept beyond the third day, but was to be burnt on that day as unfit for food. According to Jonah 1.17, the prophet Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. When the sea creature spit him out onto dry land, Jonah was delivered. God's word utilizes this historical incident with Jonah as a prophetic picture of how long Jesus would be in the grave. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ fulfilled this. He was absolutely marked out as God's son by being raised, delivered from death on the third day. That Jesus died and was buried on Wednesday is absolutely established beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus Christ did not die on Friday, nor was he resurrected on Sunday. When we strip away the cloak of tradition, God's word unfolds in brilliant simplicity. However, just because he died on Wednesday, I am not advocating that we change our modern commemorative events to Good Wednesday rather than Good Friday. God's word says that there are says that we are not to be bound to special days, times, or hours, but we must adhere to the accuracy of God's rightly divided word if we are to stand approved before him and enjoy the abundance of his truth. We can afford to do no less, regardless of a man's tradition and theology. In dying on the afternoon, on the 14th of Nisan, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law as the Passover lamb. He died for the sins of mankind during John the Baptist's ministry. He recognized that Jesus Christ would be the supreme sacrificial lamb offered by God as the consummate atonement for you and for me. In John 1, uh, 29 and 36, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Which I know we're just glossing over a lot of these verses, but that's actually one of my favorites. <clears throat> and looking, um, and then in verse 36, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus was the Lamb of God, and as we learned what Jesus Christ accomplished as the Passover lamb, we can appreciate the greatness of our redemption. First Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with, with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ was our Passover lamb, the lamb of God without blemish and without spot. He died at the exact hour that the Judeans were making their annual Passover sacrifices, and he remained buried for a full three days and three nights. We now have established the background and chronological framework for the rest of this research study. Keeping these truths in mind, we are ready to begin a study of Jesus Christ last week, blah, blah, blah. And that's basically the end um, before he gets into, you know, sort of the whole, you know, events around the Passover. So yeah, that's it. It's I mean I know that it almost feels like we gave it a little too much hype for such a simple subject, um, but hopefully most people can at least be honest and say the majority of of people that we know that are involved in the church celebrate the resurrection on Sunday, and 
if we are to compromise on, you know, anything, I feel like, man, we might as well compromise on everything. And I, th I feel like that was a, that was a good study to, to kind of look at that. And um, like I said before, like to, to capture the idea of the time of the year in the Jewish calendar and in their traditions and how all of that works out and like, like not necessarily looking at the day of the week that it falls on so much as the day of the year that it falls on and how the, the Sabbath is exercised in that, uh, in that scenario. And to look at it from that perspective, it, uh, it kind of puts it on a, on a different, uh, on a different level. Like you're, you're looking at it from a different perspective than, than what you're kind of uh, used to, because, you know, typically you think about it with the way that we in the modern church uh, celebrate Easter with Good Friday and then and then Easter Sunday. Uh, you look at it as the Sabbath being Saturday, not the Sabbath being a holy day uh, in their mm -hmm. calendar year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it, one of the it says in Colossians, right, it says, you know, to be aware of the traditions of men. Um, that follow the rudiments of the world and they don't follow Christ, right? Um, I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, we can get sort of, you know, kind of haughty and prideful, like, you know, oh, those those verses were written for the idiots that just don't get it. It wasn't written for me. The the beware of the traditions of the world. That, that I, I'm clean. This is easy for me, you know. And and of course, we all fall short. You know what I mean? As it says, um, and. This, I think this kind of stuff is so much more important than I think a lot of people really realize because every time, even for somebody that wants to believe, especially for the people that don't believe, but even for people that really want to believe when they come across these contradictions, like Jesus was to be buried for three days and three nights. And then they're like, wait a minute, you know, Friday afternoon, Sunday morning. I, I mean, I just, that discrepancy, that, that contradiction that affects people, that affects affects people's believing you know whereas now somebody can feel like oh shit this you know excuse my language but this this makes sense yeah and, yeah because you're, you're taking it from uh with the you know the friday afternoon to the sunday morning instead of three days you're, you're like a day and a half being right so it makes you feel confused and 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 and, and, and i i can see from you know from people's perspective it's it's fair to say that they would say that that discrepancy if the bible is going to be so lazy about the little things and so obviously wrong about these little things like time then then how can it be right on these more complicated issues and i can see how somebody's believing you know whether they're a believer or not would be strongly affected by these you know otherwise innocuous subjects you know and that's why that's why we study this because it's not innocuous it's important and every little compromise that we do you know, whether we feel it today or tomorrow or, you know, whenever they, it has a consequence. Right. So. And that's, uh, and like, even, even if you were to look at it, um, you know, if you were to maybe in, uh, be a little more loose with the interpretation of uh, day and a night and say, maybe that he died on Thursday afternoon going into a Friday, the 15th, and then, Saturday the Sabbath and maybe he was you know if you wanted to be a little more loose with the definitions of a day and still call that you know for Thursday afternoon the day and then he's 
in for the night and then he comes out right before sunup on, you know, Sunday morning. Like that even that makes a little more sense than the uh the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, look at it. But, and and that but, but you have to divorce yourself from the Sabbath that we're talking about in the text being Saturday the Sabbath. It it's it is a holiday the Sabbath, not not the day of the week. Can I freak you out real quick? Go for it. Okay, th- uh, this is legitimately, you're going to be like, there's no way this is true. There's no way it's true. And I'm telling you right now, it's absolutely true. And the first time that I did it with uh, with a buddy of mine, I remember he was looking at it and he was like, I, 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 we, we actually stopped talking about a lot of this stuff after that because I think the reality of a lot of this just freaked him out. You know, so, so a lot of people say, you know, they say real dumb stuff, right? You can't prove that anything in the Bible is, you know, like legitimate or anything which is just an ignorant thing to say um i'm sure there's quite a bit of truth that you can find in the quran so say, to say such a blanket statement just just sort of shows your immaturity and your ignorance um and sort of teases out another subject that we can do if you want um but you can actually find out the specific day that jesus died and it was on wednesday you can look at the specific date. And I know that, like, how can you look at the specific date? That doesn't make any sense. Well, in the Bible, we can find the specific date, even down to like a 72-minute window that Jesus was born. And uh, and then, you know, here's another subject that we could cover. But he did his entire ministry in one year. A lot of people think that he died at 33, which is not true. He would have he would have done his entire ministry in the first year, right? Because he had to be a lamb of the first year. And there, and there's more to it than that, but he would have done his entire ministry in the first year. So he would, you know, at, uh, 30, just shy of 31, he would have, he would have died. Um, so yeah, just using the Bible, we can find Jesus's birthday, which is the Tishri first. Tishri is another Jewish month. Um, 3 BC. So we can find it Tishri 1st, 3 BC, which on our calendar is September 11th, 3 BC. Would have been the day of Jesus, that Jesus was born. And Tishri 1st, for the people that don't know, I think is, is it Rosh Hashanah? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. It's the, it's the day they celebrate the coming king. They would have been celebrating on Jesus's birth for the coming king. And there would have been trumpets. We can read about this in the gospels. There would have been trumpets for his birth because they were celebrating that holiday and they were celebrating him being born and they didn't even know it, which is, which to me is just, is, is sort of, it's almost poetic. And for just a, a total like mind melting there, uh, like do a, a historical research of September 11th. Like, you know, for our generation, September 11th means something different, but like a, right. a historical research of September 11th, like, literally for all of time that is a a point in like time that that always stands out as something happens like it, it's it has huge significance uh historically beyond just you know 2001 like it that is that is something that goes back forever i didn't <laughs> even know that yeah I didn't oh yeah did you know about this about, about the September 11th thing? No, when you said that, it was like oh, <laughs> like the, yeah, yeah, it was like a, a total so, like because that is that... because historically that is such a it is such an important day. Uh, I, like 
multiple assassinations and like, like big events happen on that day. Like it is, it is of huge historical significance, like way, way, way before, you know, what we, what we signify as the importance of September 11th, you know? That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, for anybody that, that, uh, that is curious and we can obviously touch on this, you know, another time, but the way that we know the date that Jesus was born, which was obviously not December 25th, that was aligned up with Constantine. Right. Um, and, uh, what the council with the council of nice 325 AD ish. Yeah. We could, we, we could I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. We could probably do an entire episode on why certain holidays are celebrated in the exact manner they are. And, you know, like the way that right. those were crafted throughout uh, the history of Christianity as as a religion, and not so much as a like like the the practice that like what we're talking about. Right, right. Um, but uh, so we we look at the signs for Jesus' birth with the same signs that the Magi looked at, or the wise men, which were these people from Egypt that studied the sky, um, and they saw the constellations lining up to what the prophecy said the time of the coming king was. Um, and that was that uh, uh, the uh, Regulus, the brightest star of Leo, because Jesus is the, is the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? Um, and, and this is all prophesied in like Leviticus and a bunch of other places. Um, but but uh, when the brightest star of Leo, which is Regulus in the, in the foot, um, lines up with Jupiter, which is also called the King Star because it's just it's such a big planet. It's the brightest, um, and they called everything in the Bible a star that was a planetary body. So, um, yeah, when Regulus lined up with uh, 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 Jupiter, and then you had Virgo with Moon under her feet, which we read about in Revelation, that was the portrait that was written. Um, in the sky that the Magi saw coming together, which is how they knew that they needed to go to, you know, to find him. Um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, you can, you can go, you know, put, put, uh, put, there's a different um, astronomy uh, programs that you can use. I use Stellarium, if that's how you pronounce that. Um, and you can put yourself in like Baghdad ish area um, and put in that date. And then look at the look at the sky, and that picture is there with Regulus lining up with Jupiter for this seventy-two minute window, which would have been um, probably the labor and birth, and then Virgo with the with the moon under her feet. And what's interesting is the Egyptians knew this story, and they wanted to preserve the 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 sort of where the story began and ended. Um, with the constellations because they're in a circle, right? So how do you know where it begins and ends if it's in a circle? And so they built a statue to symbolize the beginning and ending, which, in, and it begins with Virgo, the Virgin, and it ends with Leo, the lion. And they built the Sphinx to, to, to hold the memory of this, of this truth, you know, to have it last as long as they can. They're really into making statues. But if you're ever like, what's the Sphinx about? The Sphinx was so that they could tell that story of where the, of where it started or where it ended, which is again with Virgo and, and Leo. Um, so anyway, that's how we can tell when he was born. Right. And then we just do the math and you, and then you get to this, you know, the part where he dies and he, <laughs> you know, I, I, excuse my language if I, if I have an outburst, but he fucking died on Wednesday and would have been resurrected Saturday. And they went to go visit his tomb Sunday morning while it was still dark and saw he wasn't there. He was already gone, 
which, you know, so, so it, just like we were talking about these little, these little confirmations that you get to every time you get to something that's like, you know, I didn't make this up Stellarium, this astronomy program where you can look at the sky, you know, that's not tilted for this niche Bible, you know, belief, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it starts to become a lot more real and, and admittedly it's a little freaky, but I find it's like pretty exciting because it, you know, it makes me feel like, you know, well, shit, I might not be wasting my time. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's, it is, it is interesting how, um, like there, there are for as old as history is and, and like as, uh, maybe archaic or, uh, primitive as record keeping was in that time. Like you can still find, they were very thorough. Like, I mean, and a lot of it is, is tax records, but like they were very the thorough. Best records. Yeah. They were very thorough with the way that they kept up with that stuff. Uh, you know, especially the Jews with their traditions and the holidays and their calendar and the way they celebrated stuff and the Romans with the tax records and, and like the way they, uh, were extremely uh, meticulous about keeping up with that stuff in a specific way for like how they ran things. Uh, like you can, the, the the historical evidence is there. You just have to like look for it and be willing to, you know, dig through uh, a lot of stuff. But, you know, like you said about the star charts, like there are only certain points in history where things line up in that specific way. So, you know, knowing where those things are going to fall in the in the pattern of the sky in a specific place and and how it'll uh like how it'll line up you can really narrow that stuff down and and find dates and time frames and like it makes it all become very real uh it's mm -hmm. not you know it takes it out of that being a uh, a mythical Mystic. magical yeah. thing and it it puts the the grounding of like this stuff is this stuff is legit like there's actual like scientific evidence of of that sort of that sort of uh thing yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i think i think it was c.s lewis right that said that there's no there's no religion without science and there's no science without religion yeah so they have to go hand in hand and the and, and the, the more you sort of dig into this stuff the more you see that it you know it sort of does all line up and it it, it you know it's 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 either very exciting or very eerie or you know perhaps even a little bit of both. I'd say it's I'd say it's definitely a, a bit of both. <laughs> I mean, like like you didn't know about the the nine eleven thing, like that, no, I that didn't. Just, of course, of course. How freaky is that? Like when you yeah. said that, it like, immediately it was like, oh, oh, really? <laughs> like that's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it is bananas. It is bananas. You know, um, and and even for you, I I recommend you know uh, Solarium or use another one and and put geo place yourself in in you know, Iraq or something like that and put that date in September 3rd, three, uh, I think I forget. It might be because of how they do the, because they don't have a zero year. It might actually be two BC, um, on this, on Stellarium's program, uh, because of how the, the, the zero happens. Cause it goes from like one to back to two. It doesn't go like three, two, one, zero, one, two, three. It goes like three, two, one, two, three between the bc to the 80 so the, yeah the i guess that would make sense you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily count a year zero in there that would be kind of yeah 
Right. So so for if you if you type in the date in Stellarium at least, I don't know about a different program, but it, I think it's September 11, 2 BC. But yeah, you do it, and then you can see the same constellation that the that the the wise men or the magi would have seen, and it's 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 crazy it's 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 super crazy and then you and then you read it in the in in the bible and you see them t describe it describe what you're seeing in this computer program and it makes you feel like you know like a conspiracy theorist almost um especially because you know i'm i'm, I'm 29 what do i what do i know i don't have a divinity degree how you know how how can i say that jesus was wasn't born on december 25th i mean there's so much evidence it's 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 not a hard thing to debunk but you know, it almost makes you wonder, like, why why aren't people talking about this stuff more often at church, at least? Um, and and maybe maybe you, you and I alone <laughs> will 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 change the trajectory and get people to start engaging in some of these things that you know I, that I, I think have r like real world or real um, church benefits. You know, making people feel more confident that what they're doing is it doesn't only sound good, but it like you know, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, it's and, I, and I think that's the goal is to like if you know having these little conversations from time to time uh if we can kind of put things in the realm of reality and kind of draw it back out of the realm of mysticism and magic like uh, and ground it in like these this is the way it happened and like you you can back this stuff with facts and science and evidence and you know you can find these things it uh it definitely it definitely pulls it into the real world and hopefully like hopefully people that'll see this or listen to this will get a lot of value out of it and be like okay so what's the next topic we're going to talk about like what else can we cover and uh <laughs> yeah and i got a bunch man. On? dude and it gets trippy and you start like man this is it all fits together like a puzzle like you know like a jigsaw puzzle and you're like oh my god what are we gonna do <laughs> well, yeah we will, it's great we will definitely have to uh look at what the next topic is going to be and kind of dig into that a little bit. Yeah, definitely.